I think meditation, when when I start talking about meditation with people, with clients, with, with friends, um, I think it's a tricky one because a lot of people will have had their own experience of meditating and their own ideas about what that means. So for some people it will be, when you say meditation, it will be like, oh, well, I, I do that already or... I, oh, I, go, I do Simran at the Gurdwara, is that what you mean? So there's a bit of confusion, I think, in people's minds mm -hmm. as well about what do you mean when you say meditation? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's interesting to open up that conversation. And I think people are ready to have those conversations when they're, when they're feeling stuck, just in, like in the same way I was. When I was at the, the lowest of the low point in my life, that was when I was ready to explore meditation. Mm -hmm. Because we hear about it so much. We hear about it everywhere. People are talking about it. Prajadics are talking about it. We're hearing about it in the scientific community, in all kinds of spiritual traditions. Um, but I feel like it really takes you to be ready mm. to start exploring that. Because it's not a natural thing mm. to disconnect from our this 3D world, from our environment, from our world, from everything we hold dear to us. It's not a natural or comfortable yeah. thing or mm. familiar thing at first. Mm. So it kind of, um, like for, for me, I, I used to try it for a couple of minutes at a time and just struggle with it. And mm. then I would just drop it mm. um, because it because I was like, you know, I'd had thoughts like, oh, you got to go check your Amazon basket. That was one really uh, <laughs> common one. <laughs> Or did you pay for that? Or did you buy this? Or have you, you know, mm. you know, all of those thoughts that we're thinking all day long, those don't stop in the meditation, they continue. Mm. And so it's like, can you just sit yourself back down and not respond to those thoughts just for that short period of time? But then that's very unfamiliar. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know, what, what's your experience of kind of introducing meditation with people or even your own experience of starting off? Yeah, so I, I would, that completely resonates with me and kind of sitting and remembering all the things that you have and haven't done. Yeah. Um, and I think our society, our current way of living all works towards that of constantly being busy, constantly being on our phones, constantly yeah. in a state of thinking and planning. Um, and, and like, we don't even leave ourselves a minute to just be in silence. It's like, you know, and, and that's me I'm talking about. So yeah. You know, if I have a silent minute, it's like I'll, I'll even I'll stick Girtan on or I'll stick a Katha on or I'll stick a YouTube video on. There has to be something constantly going on. So then when, you know, Guru is telling us to do Simran or I'm, you know, listening to Eckhart Tolle or, you know, Joe Dispenza or somebody who's telling me to meditate, that, like you said, it doesn't feel very natural. It feels really difficult because I'm so used to being busy. Yeah. But I think... It's a slow build-up, but the thing that really won me over was to, I think, hearing the scientific evidence behind it. That was yeah. one thing. Um, but also kind of getting to the point where I was either hearing other people's experiences, that that was a big one for me, because then it felt like it's true, it's real. Like either people feel more peaceful and they can change or they're having these amazing kind of mystical experiences. Yeah. Um, and then for me, it was kind of, even though I don't have a lot of those, it's like when you've had at least one, then it kind of motivates you. It keeps you going. But I'm not somebody necessarily who does things by half. So it was like, I'm going to sit down for 20 minutes and do it straight away rather than, I know you talk about it, like you started with five, 
But for me, it was like, no, I've got to sit for 20 minutes and I've got to do it and my mind's got to be blank. And But over time, I've learned that actually it doesn't matter as long as you're sitting and you're trying. Like some of the scientific evidence now is showing that even if you sit and you're trying to do it, but your thoughts are everywhere, mm. it still creates changes in your brain. It creates mm. changes in your body. Um, so that's really encouraging. So mm. some of the scientific evidence um, from one person in particular called jo Dr. Joe Dispenza is really, really fascinating because they did some experiments on meditators, mm. non-meditators, um, kind of novices who had mm. just started and those who were like long-term meditators And something that's quite current right now is what they did is they took blood samples and they, um, in the blood samples, they added the coronavirus and then they checked what happened. So the non-meditators, mm. obviously the virus went into the cells and, and it overtook the cell as it would in any normal person's body. The novice meditators, it was, there was a little bit outside the cell and there was a little bit, but it kind of took a little bit longer to go into the cell and infect the cell. But with the long-term meditators, it was amazing because what they found was the virus was just kind of hanging out around the cell. It wasn't going into the cell. And that was, so they, you know, they used a, a proper scientific method. They used a big sample and, and it, that's amazing. So one of the things that I've been talking about since, you know, COVID is here is, it's that sense of fear yeah. and that affects your immune system. So We can't just decide by thinking that, oh, I'm not going to be scared of the virus or I'm not going to yeah. worry about what's going on in my life. Yeah. There's a certain tool and a method that we need to use. Yeah. And part of that is becoming, is focusing our mind, tra training our mind. Because if we can't train our mind in a day to focus on one thing, then how are we going to lift ourselves out of that, that mood or those thought patterns yeah. and all of that? So that's kind of one aspect of it for me is yeah. training the mind. Um, how about you? Well, that's really powerful, isn't it? If we just stop to think about that, reflect on that, that actually doing meditation um, is impacting your physiology on that deep level. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Dr. Joe also talks about genetics mm -hmm. and how when we're meditating, we're affecting our DNA And he's looked at DNA samples and things. So there's some sure. really incredible scientific stuff out there yeah. which demonstrates that meditation can affect our minds and bodies in profound ways, mm. isn't it? Isn't it incredible just to yeah. stand yeah. back? But then even knowing that, yeah. that it is, um, is powerful. And I think it builds up a kind of evidence bank in our minds. Yeah. You know, actually, this is something that I'm going to pursue. This is something mm. I want to do. So then what are the kind of blocks? So a lot of people know this. Well, some people know this stuff yeah, and are aware of all of the evidence. Um, and they used to do studies on Buddhist monks as well, didn't yeah. they? And look at their immunity, mm. look at longevity mm. and other aspects of um, stress and health and, and wellness. So we've known this for a long time. Mm -hmm. And that the, the, the Western tradition of mindfulness is based upon this evidence as well. Mm. So what is it that then prevents us from actually taking that, that step to meditate or to continue or to be consistent with meditation? Yeah. Do you think? I think that's an interesting yeah. thing to explore. I mean, it's kind of a, a catch 22 in a way, because yeah. it's like, you know, you want to meditate, you know, you need to meditate, but you can't convince your mind to meditate. Yeah. 
but by doing the meditation, you're actually strengthening your mind. You're strengthening your ability to to make choices in your life. Yeah. So that's kind of the catch twenty two. So one of the things that we talk about on the course that we do as well is the subconscious mind, which yeah. you know psychology is aware of as well. That we have this mind that is it's not in our conscious awareness. I call it the habit mind. Yeah. So basically, if you imagine an iceberg, there's the little bit at the top that you can see, and that's where we make conscious choices, but that's only 5% of the time. So in a day, out of I can't remember how many hundreds of thousands of thoughts we have, we're only having this amount of new thoughts. We're only consciously choosing to do or think something differently mm-hmm. 5% of the time in our day. But the rest of the time, we're in this subconscious habit mind. So when we're brushing our teeth, when we you know, decide what we're going to have for breakfast, when we're driving, the conversations we're having with people all day long, that's coming out of a habit. And that's been formed over time. It's been based on our conditioning. So you know what people have told us is important in life, our teachers, our parents, yeah. and our experiences. So you know, like a child, if they touch something that's hot, and, and they get burned, they're not going to touch it again. So that yeah. creates, you know, the fears, it creates the habits, it creates beliefs. Yeah. So if, if we're not in the habit of meditating, if we're in, but we're in the habit of keeping ourselves busy, trying not to deal with all the stuff, all the stuff that makes us uncomfortable, yeah. then it's going to be really hard to create this new habit because that subconscious mind is working against us. And we can't yeah. just change it by deciding by thinking, oh, I'm going to change, I'm going to start doing it. It's got to be on a a kind of a deeper level, but we have to start somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting. I'm just thinking about the parallels with Gurbani Mm -hmm. in terms of this this, concept of the mind being asleep or not making choices. And Gurbani talks about that throughout. Mm -hmm. um, And um, I think it's very interesting because within, so you've got Gurbani, it says... um, Simmer, 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 guriapna, soya manijagai. Mm-hmm. Right, so that mind that is asleep can be awakened through the simran, and it. I feel like that relates to what you're yeah. talking about with the subconscious mind when we're in this kind of sleep state, mm-hmm. walking around, not making choices, um, not not making choices about what we're planting. Mm-hmm. And Gurbani talks about planting as well. The seeds that we plant, mm-hmm. the body is a kith. A yeah. farm, and you know what? What are the thoughts that we are thinking, mm. and and what what is that planting within the body? Yeah. Um, but if we're doing, if we're asleep, then what is that process? And and Gurbani talks about how actually we don't plant that those seeds consciously. Mm. That actually it's those banjjor forces within us mm. that are planting the seeds instead of that mind, because the mind is asleep. Yeah. And I was, I'm just re- relating back to Gurbani that how much of our decisions are actually our decisions. And from what you're saying and what Gurbani says, we're not actually consciously playing the game of life. Um, We're not consciously planting those things that are going to kind of reap fruits. Um, So I think it's... And and how does meditation then allow us to do that? I'm just bringing it back to that. Yeah. So just before we move on to that, yeah. there was something that came to mind is, you know, Gurbani talks about man, but karam. So, you know, your, your thoughts, your words and your actions. Um, and that kind of relates to this cycle that we end up in, which is, you know, you have a thought 
and that thought is coming from the subconscious mind. We're not consciously making the thought. And I think that's what you're talking about when you're saying yeah. the mind is asleep is yeah. we're not consciously making that decision. It's automatic. Yeah. So we might wake up every morning and have a negative thought. Oh, you know, it's going to be a rubbish day. I hate work or, yeah. you know, I don't like this person. And then that leads to a feeling that leads to that chemical being released in our yeah. body, the hormones, yeah. which makes us then feel bad. And then that leads to, you know, the butch or the karam, you know, saying certain words to people or yeah. doing certain actions that are not going to help us. And we end up in that kind of vicious cycle. Yeah. Um, so how do we, how do we interrupt that cycle yeah. is where the meditation comes in. And I think, like you said, you know, the problem is we're asleep. Gurbani is telling us we're asleep, but how yeah. do we wake up? And, you know, I know there's lots of understandings of what Nam is. But for me, one of those one of those um, definitions is actually: Can you become conscious? Can you come into the conscious mind? So we said we're there five percent of the time. We're making a new decision, but can we start to increase that? And f so when we're constantly coming into the present moment, so rather than thinking having that automatic pattern about what happened in the past or what might happen in the future, if we can come into right now, then we're coming back into the conscious mind. Yeah. And so for me, meditation is about how do I keep training my body and my mind to come into the present moment so I yeah. can make a conscious decision. So for me, meditation is a practice. And I think the word practice is a really important word Yeah. because what are we practicing? We're practicing how to do that, how to become more conscious. So when we're out and about, when we're interacting with other people, because we've practiced it will start to become more natural that we can come into the present moment. Mm -hmm. We've trained our, our mind muscle enough that, okay, you've said something. Normally I would think, oh, why has Benji said that? And then I'll start to feel bad about myself and maybe I won't talk to you. It's never happened, but I'm just saying. Um, but if I've been doing my meditation mm -hmm. practice, then I can create that pause. Mm -hmm. So I can think, okay, Benji said that. My automatic thought has kicked in. Mm -hmm. But now I can think actually, and, and this is one of my favorite questions, is it true? Mm. Like, is it true that Benji, you, you gave a really good example once and it was like, you know, sometimes you feel like someone's ignored you mm. um, and then you, you ruminate. It happened to me the other day and mm. I was like, oh, she, she didn't smile at me. And mm. then, you know, I start feeling bad and then I'm like kind of withdrawing myself. Oh, nobody likes me. But if I'm doing a meditation practice, I can train my mind enough to come into the present moment. Yeah. So... I can be like, okay, she, she didn't, maybe she didn't see me or maybe I'll reach out to her and I'll do something different. So I'm coming into the present moment yeah. and I can, maybe I can approach her if I'm still there and say, oh, are you okay? Is everything yeah. all right? Or I can text you later or I can make a different decision. I can ha choose a different yeah. thought. So it gives us that power of choice rather yeah. than being stuck in those subconscious patterns. Yeah, that's powerful, isn't it? Because... You know, we have like 30 to 40,000 thoughts every single mm -hmm. day. And each time we have a thought, it creates a cycle mm -hmm. of uh, feelings and then behaviors. And if we're doing that all the way throughout the day and we're not conscious, mm -hmm. comes to mid midday or even a couple of hours into the mm -hmm. day, and we start to notice that we're feeling discomfort within our bodies and we don't know why. Yeah. So, um, you know, sometimes, for, for example, with, with me, if I'm, having, if I'm having a very busy day, busy morning, um, and I'm doing loads of different things and I'm having lots of thoughts about what I need to do, what I need to get done. And I'm not conscious and I'm not stepping back and I'm not taking that pause coming into the conscious mind. Then by about 
11, 12 o'clock, I'll start to feel anxious within my body. Mm-hmm. So I'll start to feel a little bit panicky, shortness of breath. I still feel that even though I meditate, you mm-hmm. know, and I've been meditating for some time. And and so I think, you know, and, and other other symptoms, you know, I'll, I'll have kind of racing thoughts um, and, and just feel a sense of discomfort, tension yeah. um, within the stomach area. And, and that, you know, and if, if I had been conscious up to that point, I would have caught all of yeah. some of those cycles that had been leading up to that. Mm. But, you know, it gets to the point where you feel that physically and you're like, okay, mm. this is, my body's telling me something, something mm. is not quite right. Um, and at that point you kind of have to pay attention, right? Mm. Because you're feeling that discomfort and nobody likes to feel that way. Um, and so it's like, how do you, so, so if you're, I guess if you're interrupting the cycles, all the way through and you're aware yeah i guess what you're doing is you're meditating with your eyes open yeah right so it's not enough to just sit in the meditation in the mornings mm-hmm. or sit in the meditation in the evenings like you said it's a practice and um and i, I feel there's one definition of meditation which is just to become conscious isn't it yeah um, um, and one of the tibetan is to, language to get to know yourself to get to know yeah. okay okay mm. so becoming to become conscious familiar getting with. to know mm. um and, and, you know, it says in Gurbani, so many books related to that. Bande Khoj, Dil Haroj, and books like that. But um, I think what what I've been feeling the past couple of weeks personally is that I've really got to be on top of the meditation during the day as well. Yeah. So I'm, I'm starting the day, I'm doing the Simran, I'm doing the practice, I'm teaching the mind who the master is, mm-hmm. you know, that it's not that subconscious program that the mind actually has has control. That mind that was meant to be the king of the body, Kaya Nagri Raja, that actually teaching the mind that it's the king. So the thoughts come, but actually, you know, we don't have to take those thoughts as as true or as fact. We can just observe and come back to center, come back mm-hmm. to presence. Um, and so I'm I'm curious because I'm feeling like we're we're. Um, Gurbani talks about the game of life and the dragon and just it'd be interesting to explore how this all relates together with the dragon and, and the rajogun, tamogun and satogun and how we can kind of keep an eye on our thoughts and monitor them yeah. throughout the day and become aware of where we're spending our breaths. I wonder whether we could explore that a little bit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So Gurbani tells us that... Um, Gurbani tells us there's two forms of maya. I know there's drishtman maya, visible, and there's invisible maya, sukham, that we can't see. And the drishtman maya is the 3D reality, everything that we can experience with our senses. So, you know, my body, you know, the people around me, the environment. And then you've got the sukham maya, which Gurbani tells us is is very challenging, which is our thoughts. Um, and... Um, that even without visible teeth, even without being visible, mm. this maya has eaten up the whole world. And I feel like what we're talking about becoming conscious of our thoughts is about becoming conscious of the the power, influence of that maya that it has upon us. And Gurbani, get a bit technical here, but it's interesting to explore um, that that sukha maya is made up of three aspects. Yeah. So you've got rajogun, Tamogun and Satogun. And when the mind is spending its breaths in Rajogun, then uh, Gurbani tells us that it's in Asha, Bilasha, hopes, desires, worries, anxieties, um, and, and things related to that. 
when the mind is spending breaths in tamogun, then it's in calm, krodh, lob, mohankar, um, anger, greed, attachment, ego, and then slander as well, um, duality, negativity, lust. hatred, lust. So that is when the mind is spending its breaths in tamogun. And then there's satogun as well, the third element of maya, which is um, humility, compassion, tolerance, contentment, um, and all of those, I guess, good qualities, you could mm -hmm. say. Um, and what Gurbani tells us is that depending on where the mind is spending its breaths, you're going to get a different kind of fruit. You're going to mm -hmm. get a different kind of fal. And you're going to be going, moving closer to Vaigru or away from. Mm -hmm. So bringing meditation and linking it into the path of Sikhi and into the relationship and connection with, with Vaigru, the divine, um, I think is, is interesting because Guru Barani tells us how can we play the game of life? And the game of life is simply, where do you spend your breaths? We have very limited breaths. That we have a limited amount. They're not going to increase or decrease. And the game is for us to use those swas, those breaths, in such a way that will help us to uh, help us to experience peace mm -hmm. and to experience milab with Vaigru. So on a practical level, yeah. um, I guess what I find really helpful is monitoring. Mm -hmm. So I guess in a way you're keeping a lekha of your own because yeah. Chitra Gupta keeping a lekha as well. You're, you know, we, we hear that our account is being recorded mm -hmm. and you know, our, our thoughts and our actions are all being kind of monitored and recorded. So can we keep a lekha of our own to notice, you know, am I spending my thoughts in Rajogun? Am I spending my thoughts in Tamogun? And how do I feel when I'm in that place? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it's quite quite interesting to explore that as well. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. So so for me, you know, I don't in, I don't specifically, you know, I, I might notice, okay, you know, I'm being kind of more angry, or I might notice that, you know, I'm really focused on work right now, yeah. or you know, I'm trying to be kind to somebody. So it's in the same way. We don't necessarily yeah. have to label it as you know, yeah. tamo, sato, and, and know that it's that, yeah. but it's just that self-awareness. It's knowing, okay, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? Yeah. And is that bringing me closer to Vaiguru yeah. or is it taking me away? And for me, there's, there's two paths, um, which is there's the path of love, which is, you know, that that's where the kindness comes in. That's where compassion comes in. That's yeah. where, you know, being honest comes in, those kind of things. And then there's the path that's going to take us away from that. For me, what I label that path as is fear. So for me, the question is, okay, as soon as I have that self-awareness, you know, whether I've told off the kids or something, is it, am I acting out of fear right now or am I acting out of love? Am I recognizing yeah. that that's Vaiguru, that is part of me? Is yeah. there compassion here? Is there, is there loving uh, consideration? Yeah. Or am I acting from a place of fear? So there's a story I tell sometimes about my daughter um, which is, you know, she, she doesn't eat a lot. She's a skinny girl. And I used to get really annoyed because people would always say to me, oh, Maria. and you know, in Punjabi, that means it doesn't just mean, oh, look how skinny she is. Mari also means bad. So I would get, I would feel triggered within myself and I would get into a place of fear about it. So I'd be like, oh, she's not eating, you know, she's going to get ill. People are going to say, why she's so skinny? Does that mean I'm a bad mother? Am I not looking after them properly? So we have all of these thoughts, right? So this is all coming out of the subconscious mind that we talked about, the sleeping mind, the automatic thoughts. Um, 
But as I was started to kind of do a little bit more meditation and a bit of mindfulness, I started to become aware, oh, this is what I'm thinking. So one day I was, she was having a dinner and she wasn't eating it. And I, I went into my automatic program. So I started to tell her off. I was like, Sean, you never eat your food. Why are you not eating? But then I became aware as I was shouting at her, as I was telling her off, I realized, oh, you know, I'm having a go at her right now. Is, is, this is a fear-based response. And so what is the opposite of fear is compassion. So I stopped talking. So that was my first action that was going to create something new in my life. And I, that's why I remember it, because it was the first time I felt like, oh, I've, I've got this awareness that I never had before. So I thought about, okay, how can I be compassionate? So I stopped talking. And then I just said to her, instead of saying, oh, you're not eating, blah, blah, blah. I was like, why? Why are you not eating? And it was funny because she was like, oh, because, you know, my Bobba gave me a, a packet of crisps and a chocolate bar when he picked me up from school. Mm. But it made all the difference. Mm. So for me, you know, that's what it's talking about is we can be asleep in those patterns and, and be, you know, really caught up in life, caught up in fears, caught up in earning money, caught up in you know, what we want, what's mine and what's yours or yeah. what that person said or how that person treated me, yeah. you know, the past, the future. But we have this choice, we have this option yeah. of, of becoming aware of that and, and making a choice. So yeah. one of the bhaktis that when you were talking earlier that came up to me, came up for me was, kar kar karna likhle jao, aape beech, aape hi khao. So, you know, that kar kar karna, three times Maharaj is telling us that. So we're yeah. doing the actions over and over again. We're thinking it, we're saying it, we're doing it. Yeah. And, and that's coming out of that sleeping mind. That's the pattern, the subconscious mind. And we're planting those seeds without even realizing it. Yeah. Because if I'm shouting at my daughter, for example, I've planted a seed of yeah. that. And uh, I love kids' movies. So mm. I love Kanku Panda and uh, Master Ugwe says, you know, if you're going to plant peaches, you're not going to get mangoes. Yeah. But then we're like, okay, well, why is this happening to me? You know, mm. so, but as we become more aware of it, as we start to do this meditation practice, then we have a choice. Yeah. We can choose what to plant. Yeah. And what we plant, that's what we're going to get, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow, it's amazing. So I guess um might be interesting for us to, think a bit about the practicalities around meditation sure. um what so what do you what do you mean by meditation and what is your routine like it's a big question <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you know I, i'm aspiring and and it can always be better so for me meditation for me is about it's about connection in, in two ways so it's connecting to myself being aware of what am I thinking? What am I doing? How am I showing up in the world? What kind of person am I being? So that's one one side of it. And then the kind of the deeper aspect for me is, you know, how do I connect to Vaiguru? How do I realize my true identity? If Mada just telling me that, you know, Mantu Mulpachan, that I am, you know, the embodiment of Vaiguru, that everything lies with Vaiguru. Vaiguru's, you know, love Vaiguru is love, Vaiguru is peace, and that lies within me. Mm. that's kind of the second aspect for me is how do I connect that mm. um, and for me that's going beyond the mind so going beyond the thoughts mm -hmm. because what what we realize is it's actually the thoughts that are getting in the way mm -hmm. that this home this sense of separation this sense of identity is about me and mine but that's all coming from thoughts mm. so if I can get to a place that's beyond thoughts mm. it takes time it takes practice but you know 
anybody who's meditated even once at a guided meditation at least they will say that they'll feel a sense of peace mm. they'll feel a sense of calm so for me it, it's sitting um it's using the gurmantra that you know again maharaj has prescribed to us as an anchor um and it, you know it works on so many levels more than just an anchor but it's something that when my mind is and my mind will you know wonder i'll have so many thoughts and it's completely natural to yeah. have those thoughts so when i'm sitting um the thoughts will come in but i'll try and bring my awareness back to the the word vaheguru yeah um or back to my breath or or whatever it is and it's just con- that constant practice is strengthening that muscle of my mind so it gives me that ability to concentrate yeah so on a practical level i know that i can do that waking meditation that you talked about i can be aware and i can stop myself from certain habits and okay. change those habits but what i find is you know as we go deeper as we start to get beyond the thoughts we start to access that sense of peace of love um and what i find there which i can't really explain is i just feel that completely transforms me as a person yeah so it becomes less about the effort of trying to change yourself it becomes less about shall i do this or that or how do i be a better person and, and that's my thing is you know how do i be a better person but as we get deeper into the meditation that starts to kind of happen automatically i find that awareness is there a lot more and you know it varies day to day so some days i i don't feel like i can connect as much yeah um or you know now i don't feel like i can let go of that practice maraji kirpa but days where i i weren't i wasn't doing it yeah. you know that's how my day would go I, i would get triggered i would shout and things would little micro stresses throughout the day they would all build up and at the end of the day i'd be like okay i wasn't the person who i wanted to be today but just by doing that practice even if my mind is wandering yeah. i just have that capacity to to stay in a in more of a place of peace yeah it doesn't mean i don't ever get triggered yeah it just means that when i get triggered um it's much easier i can come back to to the present i can come back to what i know to be truth yeah. much quicker um what, what do you mean when you say going beyond thoughts in meditation so so for me again like i'm not saying i'm an experienced meditator but sometimes there comes a point where you're focusing so much on the mantra on the gur mantra that you know no no thoughts come into your mind you're kind of in this space where there is no thinking there's just It's almost like there just is awareness you're just kind of you know that you're somewhere okay you don't know where it is and it's yeah. a profound sense of peace okay and for me like that that's our default state like that's where we can be all the time and that's where life is beautiful life is bliss yeah um i, I can't say i get there all the time or, or even very often but it's enough to keep me going yeah. to try and get there and for me you know that's that's where vaiguru exists like that yeah. that's that connection that true connection yeah. and you know if we read sukhmani sahib like you know maharaj is constantly telling us to do this yeah. because it's an experience we have and i think it's not enough to just you know know that it exists or know and and you know not even just to know how to do it or know what the benefits are it's something that we have to actually do and experience yeah. to know that it's real and you know all these things that we hear in our ittihas in our history and stories and i know people say it's riddhiya siddhiya you know it's kind of magic or it's you know but when when i when i talk to people and i hear people's experiences about 
how, you know, they have these kind of mystical experiences as well, or they've completely transformed their lives. I can relate that back to, you know, like Ganika or, you know, Sajjan Tug, you know, the cannibal or the, the yeah. murderer who, who Maharaj, you know, transformed through, yeah. through the Shabbat, because a lot of us think that we can't change. Yeah. And it's too hard because we're trying to use our effort. We're trying to think our way out of, a, you know, out of our, our habits. But if all of that is in the subconscious mind, yeah. that's going to be really difficult. But Maharaj has actually given us the solution, which is when you meditate on, on the Naam, then actually you can go beyond who you think your personality is, what you think mm. your situation is. Mm. And you can access this default state of you, this mm. state of peace, Mm. And from there, like, you know, you, you can be in peace and bliss. Mm. How about you, Benton? It's amazing. I was just thinking how when we try and change ourselves or move forward in terms of spiritual development, how much effort some of us mm. place. And for, for me, for so long, I used to write notes, you know, this is what I need to do. Mm -hmm. This is how I need to change. And it wasn't working. And time and time again, it would just be trying and effort. And it would, you know, it would work for a little bit. Like I would manage my anger episodes for a little bit. And then I would mm -hmm. be back to becoming angry. And I would be like, this isn't working. Um, and then the comparison with what Gurbani says about, you know, you mentioned Ganika and you mentioned Sajjan Tug and within Gurbani, how, you know, you talk about the Bardas as well, mm -hmm. um, uh, the Philosopher's Stone that can transform iron into gold. And so how, what, what was that? I, you know, I was really confused at a point. And then similar to you, doing the meditation, doing the Simran, getting beyond the mind, getting beyond that Sukhamaya, getting beyond those thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, and what we know now kind of from people who've spoken about it a bit more eloquently than I can explain, mm -hmm. um, that you're actually entering into the realm of the divine when you're going beyond thought. And Gurbani tells us, that those nine doors of the body, when you close those, that when those nine doors are closed, then you're in the tenth, you're in that tenth space, the and that's, Gurbani tells us that that's where Anhad Shabbat, those, um, you, you could call them, I haven't experienced those myself, but Gurbani tells us that that is the sign that you're in your Dasam Dwar, that you're hearing these um, Anhad Shabbat, these sounds. Um, so there is a whole world to be explored that's yeah. beyond what we're capable of, of touching and experiencing yeah. now with our senses. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's incredible because... Um, like you were saying, when you go beyond the thoughts and you have you have those those experiences of just being in that nothingness, I guess, space, mm -hmm. Samad. And Gurbani tells us that that's our true home, Samad Satche Karbara, that actually this home that we believe to be our home isn't really our true home. And so when we can go into that, that eternal home, that true home, where we can actually start to make contact with our true mother and father, get the true nourishment that we need for the mind, then um, it's, it's incredible to think that you can have an experience of this world mm -hmm. in a different way, on a different dimension. Yeah. Um, and and I, I liked what you said as well, because you were saying that when you have that experience of peace inside, then everything is good. Yeah. You know, and mm -hmm. it's like you can you can always go back to that home once you start 
um, doing the practice, doing the Simran, and you start to go beyond thought mm -hmm. and you go to that place over and over again, then it doesn't matter what's happening outside of you. Um, it doesn't matter because there's challenges all the time. Life is never smooth sailing. I find that one day I'll be like, you know, top of the world. Things are going really mm. great, but I can't hold on to that because yeah. the next day something unexpected happens and I'm like, oh my God, where did that come from? And and I can either kind of um, unconsciously plant seeds that make me feel unhappy or I can spend a bit of time in my true home, mm. you know, go beyond thought and experience the peace there and, and bring that into my waking day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, th I think it's this meditation and Simran mm. is very profound. Yeah, I think it, it unlocks our what we believe to be our our human potential. Yeah, and I think we're very much stuck, like you say, in this three D world of what we can see, what we can hear, yeah. what we can taste. What does science tell us? Yeah, and it's amazing as well because science is now catching up and it's it's telling us about quantum physics and yeah. you know that the smallest particle is actually made of energy and everything is made yeah. out of energy, you know, sab gobindha, sab gobindha, you know, everything yeah. is, is vaiguru, is that energy. It kind of un unlocks our potential. So, you know, anything, any restriction that we think we have, you know, whether it's a mental health issue, whether it's a physical health issue, um, you know, like you said, a family situation, something on the outside of us, yeah. all of a sudden that kind of starts to resolve itself it's not because it's changing on the outside yeah it's just because of what state we're in yeah. and that's what you know that's what we normally say when we do a meditation is you know how were you feeling when you started and how do you feel at the end and when you're feeling peace at the end it's like what well, but your external situation hasn't changed yeah and for me meditation has been profound in my life so I've suffered with health issues for a lot of my life but I would say, you know, th through a regular meditation practice, a lot of kind of my issues, pretty much all of them ha have gone, like my body is healed. And, and I've seen testimonials of people who are healing from cancer and, yeah. and they're doing scientific studies at the same time to find out what's going on yeah. in those people. You know, where, where is their kind of their brain state? So that's another part of meditation is we're changing our brain waves. So where we're in the subconscious mind, our brain waves are in beta, for example, which is a state where we're not really going to take any new information in. So as much as, you know, and I'm a coach, so I do a lot of self-development and I've tried everything to change myself, to, to kind of, you know, improve certain parts of my life. Um, but actually it's not going to go in. If you're in a state of stress or if you're just in a state of what we're calling sleep, you're just doing the same things every day, you're in that state of beta waves in your brain you're not going to absorb, you're not going to change that subconscious mind. But when you start to meditate, that actually alters your brain waves. So you can go into different states, just like a child when they're, when they're a little baby, they're in a different state of brain waves. So they're absorbing, they're watching their parents, they're picking up, oh, this is how I talk, this is how I walk. And it's the same with like things like hypnosis, like people are trying to change your brain waves so they can change what's going on in that subconscious mind. And it's the same when we're meditating. So when we're doing Simran, we're going into this different state of brain waves, which at one level is it allows you to create that change in your life. But at another level is you're going then beyond the mind to, like you said, the realm of Vaiguru, where there's infinite possibilities. Anything can happen. Um, so for me, you know, that was really profound to, to even though I tried everything to, to fix my health, um, you know, to get to that place where actually I could, it was hard work to sit and do the meditations every day. And that's the hardest bit. But 
it was also hard work to suffer to 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 be in pain uh, all the time and always have something wrong and and you know trying to struggle to look after your family and yeah. do your duties so you know like i said i've tried tried a lot of things so that's why i feel so passionately about meditation is because I, I feel like it has changed me. I know I've got a long way to go as well, yeah. um, but it's a practice. So, you know, it's a little bit at a time, but for me, what's really important is constantly reflecting on that, contemplating that, that actually this is who I used to be. Yeah. And, and these are the changes that I can see. And I know, like, I, I'm aware that while I'm speaking, I'm talking a lot about changing myself. So this isn't about non-acceptance of yourself. It's about reality. It's about awareness. You know, I know you know, I've, I've got, have had certain anger issues or I've had, you know, certain negative things, negative thoughts or, you know, issues with my body. And I've got to be realistic and acknowledge that these things exist within me, but I'm also empowering myself because I'm acknowledging that I have the power to change that. And actually all along, you know, that solution, that tool has been in Gurbani and Guru's, you know, just constantly talking about with, with Nam, with the Shabad. And, you know, it was as, it's simple, but not easy, but it is as simple as that, is if you can attach your mind yeah. to that Shabbat, yeah. profound changes can happen in your life. Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? Because when you think about self-development and change, you don't think it's as easy as going inward or mm -hmm. just as easy as directing your attention in a particular way. Yeah. Um, easy, I mean, simple, straightforward, because we have all these eloquent theories and, mm. and all kinds of things to try and help us to change our behaviors. Um, but who knew it was right under our noses and everything that we needed mm. was within us. So, um, yeah, it's incredible that it's it's such a um, simple uh, method, mm. but it's just getting getting to the point where yeah. we're willing to do it um, is, I think, is, is the challenging bit. Yeah. So one of the things that has really helped me to, to kind of stay on this path and know that it works is is sangat so yeah. you know talking to yourself talking to other people even watching you know watching other people talk about it on yeah. youtube or whatever it is and there's this bangdi gurusaki jyot pargatahoy and i know again you know there's lots of different interpretations but what that bangdi means to me is you know sakhi is a story and when you tell these sakhi when you tell these stories about how guru has transformed uh, and that that makes your jyot pargat that makes your light you know, become manifest. Yeah. So for me, it's really important to spend time in that Sangat where people yeah. are experiencing these things. Yeah. They've been there, or at least even if they're trying to, yeah. and whether it's that's physically, whether it's going to the Gudura and doing Simran in Sangat, whether it's talking to people around you, or whether it's, you know, through books, you know, reading books of people who have, you know, done their Bhakti as well, or yeah. you kind of YouTube videos, that makes a really big difference because... Yeah. If you're not doing that, if you're not reminding yourself of this, you know, huge gem that we've got and that yeah. it's real, it's really easy to get pulled back into yeah. what you keep calling the 3D reality and, yeah. you know, the day-to-day -day worries and things about, you know, earning a living and what he said and what she said. And yeah. so I think Sangat has been something that's really, really helped me. Yeah. Um, and it also keeps me accountable. So one of the things that we do in Sangat is, you know, at one point, uh, this Benji and I, we were like messaging each other every morning or phoning each other to make sure that the other person got up. Yeah. Um, and, and a really fun one that we did, and it wasn't fun actually, yeah. but what we did um, a few months ago, which was we kind of made a deal, <laughs> which is if you, if you missed your Simran in the morning, 
um, you would have to pay hundred pounds to charity, <laughs> and, and we stuck to it. Yeah. So that, and you've got to, you've got to go where it hurts, right? Which is money for most people. Yeah. But it really, and the idea was it really kept us motivated and it kept mm. us going. When you keep going, then you start to experience it and that it becomes a, a virtuous cycle rather than a vicious cycle. Yeah. So what would you say are some of the tips that have really helped you? Um, to keep going with meditation. I think uh, one thing that's really stuck with me over the years is a quote that we only change through suffering mm -hmm. or inspiration. Right. So I think either if I've been suffering or been at a low point or if I've become inspired, like in mm -hmm. the same way that you you speak about accessing YouTube, being in the satsangat, mm -hmm. hearing katha, um, and and listening to vichar from from wherever wherever I can get you know it doesn't matter which kind of tradition or religion even sometimes, mm -hmm. but just something that speaks to my soul that gives me that desire mm -hmm. to um, experience vaigru to experience that relationship with my true mother and father and and that often happens when I've given up on relationships mm -hmm. in this world you know when you go through a difficult you go through a conflict or you kind of see relationships for what they are in that they're limited worldly relationships mm -hmm. and it causes you to kind of search for something beyond. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then when, when I'm in that state, mm -hmm. um, then that really helps me to, to, to want to disconnect mm -hmm. because otherwise when I'm doing the Simran, I'm thinking so yeah. much and I, and it's very hard to pull myself away from my Amazon basket <laughs> or, you know, what I'm going to do tomorrow with my mm -hmm. friends or, but when I'm kind of forsaking this world and I'm like, I'll oh, forget this world, then I'm like, you know, the only hope I have now mm. is Vaigru and connection. And that is when I really find that I focus a lot. Yeah. And um, so I think definitely Sangat is, yeah. is very powerful. And Gurbani says, Sat Sangat Har Simrana Mal Janam Janam Ki Kaat. Like all of that kind of dirt that's been accumulated over lifetimes gets washed away in the Sat Sangat. Yeah. And yeah. Gurbani describes Sangat as sarovar, mm. um, changing a crow into a swan. So uh, I think for, for me, that's very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And clearly Gurbani in itself as well is powerful. Yeah. And that's the, you know, we have this name, this daily practice of, yeah. you know, connecting to that truth. And even if you're just reading it in English for now, yeah. you know, it's talking about the same thing over and over again in so many different ways. And it's that constant reminder is to connect to, to connect to Nam yeah. and you know for me I have a totally different relationship now with Gurbani that there's a little bit of experience there um compared to what what I thought it meant before and, yeah. and it's always going to be changing according you know up upani buddha jiti you know everybody's understanding is going to be different um but you know it's that constant reminder for me actually this is what's real and you know kind of what I'm scrolling through on Instagram sometimes or, or all of that stuff mm. um, really brings me down. And, and on that note as well is, you know, there's a lot of practical things we can do to help ourselves. So like you said earlier, is just being aware of where are we spending our, our awareness or our breath. So if we're spending a lot of time on things that, you know, just be aware of how does it make you feel? I actually came off social media because I noticed that, you know, when I would scroll through certain, th through certain things, it would make me feel down. Yeah. It would get those vichar, those negative thoughts going quite a lot. Yeah. And especially if we're doing that, if we want a practice in the morning, like Amrath Villa, for example, yeah. if we're doing a lot of that at bedtime, we're going to spend our whole night stuck yeah. in those kind of vichar, in those thoughts. And that's going to make it more difficult in the morning to get up. So one tip is, you know, 
either be, you know, either read Gurbani or read something inspirational, or even if you just do kind of five minutes Simran along with your Kirtan Sohila, mm. that's actually going to set you up for the morning. Yeah. Um, a really practical tip is I, I get my clothes out in the morning and I hang them up in the bathroom. So it's minimum first. So I don't have to wake up and be like, oh, I can't be bothered. It's just like, I know what I've got to do and I can just get up. And I'm just making it really easy for myself to to get into that practice of doing it. So that becomes my new habit. Yeah. I don't mind that being in my subconscious mind. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of setting an alarm might help as well. And sometimes it's just, you know, if you wake up and you're one of those fortunate people, it's just making sure that, you know, you get up before the vijad come in. Because if you're waking up and you're going straight into your thoughts about your day and your problems and all of that, of course, it's going to be then difficult to to connect when you sit down to do the Simran. So for me, it's like, okay, at that moment, I might struggle to just say Vaiguru, but if I can connect to like Jabji Sahib, or I can connect to a little bit of Gurbani or, you know, start to talk to Guru, that's that's an amazing one. Like just having a conversation with Guru in my mind and doing that Ardas before as well that I want to, you know, we do that in Rakhya um, Dashabad, you know, you know, asking Guruji to wake us up, doing that Ardas is powerful as well. Yeah. So those are just some of the things that, that I like to use and, and that have kind of kept me going over time. So I guess one of the things that we haven't really gone into is, you know, what is the how? How, how do we do it? How do we connect to it? Um, so do you want to explain a little bit about what kind of method you use? Yeah, I think um, for me, so I use the um, method of Saskira Simran. Um, and that simply just means breath in Vahe and breath out Guru. And then I listen to the sound of my voice. And Gurbani says, mm-hmm. So I, I speak, I chant, so, so I chant and I listen, focus intently on the sound of my voice and I just continue. Mm-hmm. And if I'm having lots of thoughts and I'm struggling to settle, then I'll do it a little bit louder, a little mm-hmm. bit faster to start off with. That seems to help. And then as the thoughts settle down, I will, um, I usually just naturally just slow down. Um, but I usually set myself a timer. So I'll say, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to give myself, so I don't have to think about how long yeah. or what the time is. So I can really disconnect from this, this Maya. And so I set myself a timer and I will just keep going mm-hmm. until the timer goes off. And mm-hmm. just reminding myself every few minutes, mm-hmm. some jaying my mind, yeah. you know, come back to the Shabbat, come back to the Shabbat, come back sure. to the Shabbat. And then I will just continue yeah. in that way. Um, mm-hmm. How about yourself? Yeah, yeah. So same sort of thing is yeah. I having a, a timer so I, I don't need to keep checking the time. Yeah. Um, so what I find when I'm getting a lot of thoughts and a lot of vichar is I will just acknowledge them. Because sometimes I find the more you try and push a certain thought or something away, the more it will push back. So what I like to do is I just say thank you to the thought. I'm like, I thank you. I see you. And then come back to the Shabbat and thank you. I see you. You Sometimes they are overwhelming and it's like, I'm just going to keep going anyway. Or, you know, I'm going to surrender to them. I'm going to let them come and I'm going to give myself a minute to just let myself think about it. But then knowing that I can come back to the Shabbat and, and keep coming back over and over again so it's not necessarily the easiest thing but one thing that really encouraged me was again there was a scientific study um, where they were they actually had kind of brain scans and lots of things on these meditators Um, and 
they found profound changes in their body. But when they went and spoke to them, some of them had had these amazing meditative experiences. But there were other people who they were like, oh, I didn't know if I was doing it right. I didn't feel like anything had happened. But when they actually checked on, you know, when they checked scientifically, you know, profound changes had happened in their body. So the point that I took from that is even if you don't think that it's working, you know, it's still working. So just keep going anyway. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, I feel like I've, my mind's been everywhere while I've been meditating. Yeah. And it's not till, you know, like the family wakes up and I start interacting with them. And I'm like, oh, it did work because I, I know that I'm much calmer than I would have been yeah. if I hadn't have done it. So don't yeah. let, don't let, you know, don't let your mind trick you into thinking that it's not working just because you're having thoughts. Yeah. It's okay that you're having thoughts and actually it's a win if you yeah. can notice that you're having the thoughts and every time you bring yourself back to the manthood, that's a success. And that obviously that's going to take time. You can't run a marathon the first day you go to the gym. Yeah, yeah. It takes time to kind of build that up and maybe start small, maybe start with, like you said, five minutes and just see how that goes and build it up over time. Yeah, that's amazing. Another thing that came to mind for me was when I focus on the purpose behind the meditation, just before or even during, that I'm trying to connect with Vaigru. Yeah, that I'm trying to connect to the divine, that my mother and father is watching, mm-hmm. is calling, like there's, they're always calling, they're present, they're observing us, they're, con- you know, they're interested wow. in us. Yeah. And Good so, <laughs> and so when you're doing the Simran, you're, you're kind of calling, you're mm-hmm. kind of, you're, you're building that road to, to the divine, mm-hmm. you're, you're opening up that channel. Mm-hmm. And, and so sometimes when it feels like it's difficult and it mm. feels like, or, or you, we do the meditation, you don't feel like you're changing and all of that. But actually when focusing on that connection, you're, you're putting effort towards that connection. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, um, uh, there's that beautiful book of when you take one step, mm. Guru takes a thousand steps yeah. towards you. So there is that kind of, I guess, faith as well that why mm. Guru is watching, observing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that yeah. brings up an important point is it's not just a dry kind of you're just sitting there focusing yeah. on the month that there needs to be an emotion. Yeah. And I think that's what I find was really missing in my practice before I was just kind of doing it. Um, and it was a very much mind thing. Yeah. But when you add in that emotion, when you add in that sense of love, yeah. or, you know, that thirst to meet Vaiguru, or yeah. even if it's kind of desperation on your part, you know, yeah or gratitude, whatever it is, when, when you add an emotion into that intention, that ardas that you're doing and you're f- trying to feel into it, I yeah. find that that's much more powerful than just kind of, you know, doing it, I, I want to say mindlessly, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think it, it takes time to cultivate that emotion. So when you first try yeah. and experience love within yourself or that that brim, then sometimes you don't feel it. But as you practice, it's like anything, isn't it? If you if you've been spending your whole life practicing mm-hmm. um, fear or practicing anger mm-hmm. in terms of repeating it over and over again, you get really good at it. The mm-hmm. body hardly needs any stimulus or trigger for you to yeah. experience that emotion. Yeah. So in the same way with trying to experience love, mm-hmm. it takes practice. It takes work. Yeah. And, you know, every time that we open our heart a little bit more, mm-hmm. we experience that emotion a little bit more. Yeah. We are creating those neural pathways so the next time it's easier to experience yeah. it and the next time after that so again i think i think what we're saying really is it's it's a process it's a practice it's something mm. that takes con- a bit of consistency mm. and over time we start to see a difference yeah. in our internal state 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And the other thing is, is if we, if we're reading Gurbani and we want to connect with Guru, but we never actually spend that time to sit and search for Guru within ourselves. Yeah. We're, we're not going to find, you know, that experience. So for me, that's quite powerful is actually, I have to make sure that I'm making that time. Yeah to build that relationship with Guru, to sit, to focus on them, to focus on their feet, to, to feel love for them and, yeah. and do that as a practice because, you know, we hear all these um, stories and, you know, um, these people exist, these Mahapurks exist and Sant who, who've had these experiences. But what stands out is, you know, they did that practice. They didn't, you know, they had their, their daily life as well. Yeah. But if something's important to you, you spend time on it. And yeah. for me, that that's what's really important is what am I prioritizing in my life? And yeah. the more I prioritize this practice, I find all the other things in my life kind of just happen by themselves. I don't need to worry about them, you know, whether it's work or, you know, family, all of those issues kind of just resolve themselves because, you know, like we know that everything comes from Vaiguru. So if we're prioritizing yeah. that relationship, then we're going to get the fall, the fruit of that as well. Uh, just when you're talking about relationship, it reminded me of something I've read before by Do Dr. Joe Dispenza, who he describes meditation as a, a date with the divine. Right. And I love that because it's like, you know, he says once you start to experience those feelings of love and prem in the meditation, then it's like, you know, when you're going out with somebody and you're so excited to see them, he says it becomes like that with the meditation. So it's no longer, a, oh God, I have to do it again or mm -hmm. set the timer or schedule it. Yeah. But it becomes something that you look forward to mm -hmm. and that you think, oh gosh, how am I going to experience the divine in this yeah. med next meditation? Mm -hmm. So it's a process. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, there's a, he's written a blog article, so I'd recommend looking at that. Mm -hmm. But it's just a, a beautiful way of bringing in that connection, that relationship. Mm -hmm. So we're not necessarily when we think about meditation we think oh we're disconnecting from everybody and we're mm -hmm. just going in but actually we could think about it as building a connection with with Vaiguru yeah. um, rather than disconnecting if that helps us yeah. to, to kind of engage with it brilliant would you be kind enough to guide us through uh, some Simran okay so I'm going to encourage everybody to sit comfortably um, it's really important that we're comfortable otherwise that's just another excuse for the mind to tell us to fidget and get distracted. So try to keep your back straight if you can. And that's just allowing us, allowing our mind to know that we're not falling asleep. So we want to relax our bodies as much as we can, but try and keep your spine straight. And just notice where you are, just become aware of you are. So we say about coming into the present moment. So you can notice where your body's sitting right now. And we're just preparing for the Simran. So it's just getting ourselves ready. If we're going to do anything really important, we like to prepare. So just notice where you're sitting. Notice how it feels. And really just relax your body. So just letting go, relaxing your head, your forehead, your cheeks. Relaxing your shoulders and arms and hands. Relaxing your chest and your tummy, the whole of your back. Relaxing your legs and your feet. And we're going to start by connecting to our breath. This breath that Maharaj has given us as a gift. 
and it's limited. So we've got to decide where we want to spend it. Do we want to spend it trying to connect to Vaiguru or in a state of fear? So just notice the space between your nostrils. Just notice the breath coming in and going out. Just if your mind is wandering, that's okay. Just say thank you to the thought and bring your awareness, your attention back to that breath coming in and going out. Maharaj tells us, Tuk dami karari jo karaho hajar hajur khodai. That when we focus really deeply on this breath, we can start to feel the presence of Vaheguru. Just allow yourself to be fully in this experience right now. As we begin to focus on the Guru Mantra, the Guru Mantra that will melt away our ego, our sense of separateness. And set that intention. What is it that you want from this? Simran from this meditation. What is that connection, that relationship that you want to build with Vahiguru? And feel into that. What is it that you want to feel? And as we begin, we're going to sing the Shabad Gavya Suniya. We're going to put full attention, full focus on the sound of that Shabad Gavya Suniya. With that emotion, that feeling of love, of sharda, of yearning to meet our true mother and father, to get to know our true selves. So singing, listening and with love. And every time you notice that your mind has wandered, just bring it back, bring it back to the sound of the Shabbat. Let's begin. Why, Guru? 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 Why? Guru, why, 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 Guru, why guru 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 why Guru, why Guru, why Guru, why Guru, why Guru, why 
ਗੁਰੂ ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ 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 recite the guru mantra in your mind noticing any change that has occurred maraji tells us mantu jot sarup hai apna mool pehchaan in my mind you are the embodiment of the divine light recognize who you are where you've come from mana har ji tere naal hai is with you always Absorb yourself, color yourself in this knowledge. Vaheguru ji ka khasa, Vaheguru ji ki hadeh.